Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So before school let out, little Johnny uh, was in middle school and uh, his teacher asked him the question, as she did all the students, what is your favorite animal? And Johnny replied, fried chicken. (laughs) To which the class burst out in laughter. Johnny got sent to the principal's office and the principal asked, what did you do? And Johnny told the story. The principal laughed as well and said, tomorrow when you go back into class, don't do that again. So teacher asked another question. What's your favorite live animal? Pretty good. And Johnny said, chicken. And she said, why? Because you can turn it into fried chicken. The class laughed. Guess where he got sent? Principal's office. Principal's laughed, said, don't do that again. Johnny said, got it. The next day, the teacher would moved on to talking about heroes. Who's your favorite hero? Johnny said, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> we can only imagine where Johnny got sent in his adventure of life. What does that have to do with the sermon? A lot. Because sometimes, like Johnny, we can get stuck, can't we? We're, we're locked into a spot. We're locked into a comfort, comfortable zone. The same stuff gets repeated over and over about our lives and and who we are. So I was praying about this message. We've been talking about rising above, living as Jesus intended, and what he did after the resurrection, how he reinstated Peter, how he told his disciples to go in all the world and preach the gospel, how he told them to be salt and light, how uh, we learned from Pastor John not to believe in false prophets, but listen to the word of God and the truth that comes out of the mouth of God, even when we could be tempted like Jesus was tempted. And so we're to rise up into a new place, a different place, not be stuck. We don't have to remain where we are because God is a God of moving forward. Now, he can go backward to heal our past, but God doesn't live in the backward. He lives in the forward. Remember, he never sleeps or slumbered, so he'd get bored repeating. I often tell people this, the one prayer God hates to hear is, can you do an encore? Can you repeat that, Lord? And God says, no, I, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you see? It's springing in front of you. It's, it's right there. Embrace it. Move forward. And so as I was looking for a text, I kept having this phrase, now is the time. And I drove by Alan Hancock. And guess what their slogan is for this season? Now is the time. I thought, hey, I'm looking for a sign. There's my sign right there, you know. (laughs) It's my sign. I want to say this to you as we go to Philippians chapter 3. You can turn there in your Bibles if you brought your Bible or your Bible app. I, I, I want to say that God has a preferable future for each one of us. Not just for some of us, let me say it again, but for each one of us. It's not all about this, it's not all about now, and God wants to call us from any place in our life where we have been stuck. Now, the Apostle Paul is going to share some very intimate things about himself, but please remember, this is not just Paul writing a letter to the first church, Church of Philippi, that he planted. This is not Paul just writing to people that he's intimately involved with, though he is. This is Paul writing words that, as the scripture says, are God-breathed. 
Not just a man sharing his story, but God breathing through his words for us to understand this is how we are to live as well. This is to become our story. So Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I what? I I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Wow, that's a big statement. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, would you read the rest? Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on. I move forward. And as I said a few weeks ago, there's always a gravitational pull to keep us where we are, in the comfortable, in the same, in the, I don't even know if it's a word, the stuckness of life. We're going to be falcons or we're going to be chickens. See? Chickens, Johnny, and now you got it, right? We sometimes live beneath the promises of God. We, we sang about that this morning and his grace and the fact that he's a God that keeps working and speaking and moving I heard that today as we worshiped, and I want to ask you this question just real quickly. Where in your life are you living beneath the promises of God and the power of the Holy Spirit? It's it's a vital question to ask because faith is a process. Faith is a journey. I said last week how proud I am of the church and, and how much God loves you and God is proud of you whenever you take two steps forward. When you crack open your Bible in the morning or in the evening or at lunch break, God is proud of that. When you share your faith with someone, God is proud. And I encourage the church as we closed last Sunday to be a church that encourages each other when you see someone making forward progress. I talked about the lady that was clean and sober for three months. And and when she shared that with me, how excited I was to share with her and celebrate with her. What an accomplishment. The first time being clean and sober for three months since she was 13 years of age. I thought, Lord God, this is to be celebrated. And all of heaven rejoices. Someone was sharing as they walked in this morning how they led some of their family to Christ. And all of heaven is rejoicing. Whenever you take two little steps forward, and when we see somebody walking like a baby for the first time taking little steps, we don't say, well, I can do better than that. I've seen better than that. When are you going to run? No, we, we, we just cherish when our kids and our grandkids walk and our great-grandkids walk, and we say, this is so great. I love you, and I'm proud of you. So I want to tell you, now is the time. And I'm not just speaking it because it's an Alan Hancock slogan or something that God put in my heart. I believe this for you. Now is the time. Some of you are waiting for God to answer a prayer. Some of you are waiting for healing to come. Some of you are waiting for a relationship to be mended. Some of you are waiting for some horrible memory of the past to be taken away from you. And Paul is telling the church at Philippi, I want you to move on, because I'm moving on. So in your notes, I know some of you are note takers, so I'm gonna help you with this. Uh, This warm, optimistic letter where the word joy is found no less than 16 times, Paul is telling us, and I phrase it this way, I want you to have a healthy 
dissatisfaction. Uh, some of us can be dissatisfied with just about anything. The coffee's not hot enough. It's not strong enough. Uh, the iced tea's not cold enough. The waiter or waitress takes too long. Gas prices aren't right. Come on. But he's saying there needs to be a holy, healthy dissatisfaction with your life. And where does he get this? He said, well, back up in, in verse 4 and verse 5 and verse 6, he said, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh. I want to stop there for a moment. Probably no one in here or no one watching online. But there are people we know that put confidence in themselves. Now, we should have some self-confidence, but our self-confidence is best embraced and lived out when we have a God confidence first. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and I'm confident in who he says I am, but I'm not confident in who I say I am without God. God will never call you to a life that you will live apart from him. Let me say it again. God will never call you to a life that you will live apart from himself. He wants to be with you. He wants to be in you. He wants to be for you. And so Paul says, I have reason to be confident in who I am. I've got a pedigree that no one else around me has. I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. Can anyone equal Paul? No. Here's what he says. Let me paraphrase. I'm the elite of the elite. I'm top of the top. I wrote half of the New Testament. For 30 years, I've been a believer. I speak multiple languages, but I have not arrived. On the eighth day, I was circumcised. Why? Because that's when Jewish boys are supposed to be circumcised. On the eighth day. Not the ninth day. Not the tenth day. I'm the part of the tribe of Israel. What does that mean? I'm the chosen of God. And I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. That's the tribe where the kings came from. I'm a Pharisee. Do you know what the Pharisees did? They would memorize... The Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those are big books with lots of law and stuff. He had memorized the first five books of the Bible. How you doing? You got five verses? I can do all things in Christ and gives me strength, right? All things work together for good. John 3, 16. Come on, we got three. Come on, right? He knew five books of the Bible. And then he says this, I'm not there yet. Thanks, Paul. No matter the conflicts, no matter the beatings, no matter the imprisonment, no matter the hardships, no matter the haters, the difficulty, the depression, the emotions, he says, I press on. And look at Philippians 3 verse 7 now. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider what? Loss for the sake of Christ. What's he doing? He's laying everything down at the feet of Jesus. He's acknowledging once again that Christ is supreme in his life. Now, our culture wants us to project that we've arrived. We look good. And I don't know if anyone's ever done this to any of your pictures, whether Instagram, whether Facebook. You got ready to post one. You go, that's not a good one. Delete. Not going to post that. You, you took the best picture of yourself. That's the one. You ever had pictures taken, portraits taken? Which one do you want? The photographer might say, the Photoshop person might say, and you go, uh, that one, right? Because we want to have the best projection 
of ourselves. And you all look great, by the way. You're projecting a great image that you're all together in all ways. But I want to make a confession this morning. It's okay to confess in church, right? Your pastor has not arrived. I'm not perfect. My marriage is not perfect. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect grandpa. I'm not a perfect boss. I'm not a perfect chaplain. I'm not a perfect neighbor. I know that's shocking news to you. And uh, on behalf of Pastor John and Bill and Tammy in the front row, these people aren't perfect either. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Anybody here feel you're perfect? I want you to raise your hand. Because we have a therapist waiting outside. We also have videotape of the last 10 years of your life we'll put on the screen. Every thought, every deed. Oh, God, help me. By the way, I, was, I, was in, I used to play in a, a Christian band years ago when I was in college, and we had an evangelist, and he did say this. He did this, say this. When you get to heaven, before you get through the pearly gates, the Lord is going to play the video of your life. <laughs> I have one thing to say. That's stupid. Because <laughs> Jesus died for the video of your life, and only he has the flash drive, and it ain't coming out. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. We don't enter because someone at the pearly gates likes us. We enter because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and our faith in that work. And, and God loves you so much, doesn't he? He does. Come on, God loves me, but he loves me too much to let me stay that way. That's why Philippians 1.6, Paul again, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work will what? Will carry it out. In other words, Christian life is a process. If you want to rise above the mundane, the status quo, the stuckness of life, you have to keep pressing on. You have to keep moving forward until the day that Christ Jesus comes back or the day that Christ Jesus takes you home. This is forward progress. Philippians 3.12, I've not obtained all this. I don't have an arrival sticker on my my goal. I'm not done yet. I'm in a process, I I press on, I take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Where do you need to move forward? What do you need to let go of? And what do you need to embrace in the Lord? The the second thing is wholehearted focus. And when when Paul says this one thing I do, I mean, he's, he's laser beamed focused. But when you read this in the text, one thing I do, there's, there's actually three parts to the one thing. I love it. He's like a preacher. I got one thing to say. Here's three points, right? First is focus on forgetting. We, we are really good at inventorying other people and assessing them and sometimes saying they, they need to change. And sometimes we're good at inventorying ourself or a self-awareness or a self-assessment uh, we need to leave the past behind and not just look at other people. We need to look at ourselves and say, God, here's my past. And sometimes we don't like our past. There's shame, there's guilt, there's, there's issues with the past. And how about taking everything to the feet of Jesus, everything in the name of Jesus? This is a house of miracles. This is a, a God of miracles. This is a God of blessing. And I just want you to know, if you're on a journey, like I'm on a journey, this is a safe place for journeyers in Christ. We have not arrived at this church. This is not a perfect church. And if it were a perfect church, and you believe that you're perfect, 
you'd fit right in, but this is not a perfect church. And if you believe you're perfect and you come to this church, you're going to find out quickly that people around you recognize that they're not perfect. It's okay not to be okay. That's why we have a Savior. If we were so great and so wonderful, if we had arrived, Jesus Christ would not have come to earth to die for us. I mean, that's just a simple truth. But we need to forget. And we need to learn from the past without dwelling on the past. Now, if you've been in this church for any length of time, you've heard this illustration. Um, If you're new to the church, you're going to hear it for the first time. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to give it to you. When I, when, I, when I stand up, I recognize my eyes are looking forward. My ears are actually cupped forward so I can hear, hear the word of God. I, I can hear from my friends. If, if you look down, you'll see your feet are focused forward. If you rest your arms at your side, you'll see your hands kind of go forward. Everything's going forward. There's, there's one thing behind us to remind us that some things are to be left behind. (laughs) Now you might say, wow, how do you get that out of Philippians? He said, forgetting those things that are behind us. We have to move from where we've already been. And that means even our successes, I mean, we can look at them. Uh, I've been to retirements before and you get a shadow box with a bunch of stuff in it and whether it's military garb or whether it's police badges and accolades. I've seen people with plaques. I, and that's all fine. That's good. And, and by the way, I love to go through our photo albums at home and look at the pictures of when I was young and skinnier and more hair and more handsome and, and to look at, at, at my 40-something-year-old kids when they were four days old or four years old. That's cool. But you can't live there. Well, I remember the good old days. Well, we always exaggerate them. The, the fish we caught gets bigger over time. The hits we had in baseball, bigger over time, more over time. You know, you hit doubles and then you start telling people you hit home runs and, you know. We forget it. And some of us have pain from the past. So I'm just going to ask you again, what do you need to leave behind? And what do you need to embrace moving forward? Paul had many regrets that haunted him. Before Jesus came into his life, Paul was horrible. He persecuted the church. He pressured people who loved Jesus. He he held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen, the first person martyred for his faith in Christ. And he probably enjoyed it. But listen, Paul faced his faults and forgot the past so he could live his life. I meet people all the time. I had a bad church experience. Met a guy last Sunday, his second time here. His wife encouraged him to come on Father's Day. He got beef jerky, but he didn't win one of the tool belts with the $100 gift card to Home Depot. Poor guy. I would have rigged it that he won his second visit. But anyway. And he stopped me outside and he said, thanks, thanks for your message. And, and as preachers, we love what so thanks for your message. And I always say this, what'd you get out of it? Usually I get, I, I don't know. It was really good. What did I say? I, I, I don't know. It was good. The message is three minutes old. They don't know. It means a lot to a preacher, right? But, but anyway, I said, I said, what'd you get out of it? And his eyes got a little teary-eyed. 
And he said, I, I've been in church for years and I was always getting beat up. And you told us today that God loves us and God's proud of us. And I said, yeah, that's, that's what I believe. As we make forward steps in the Lord, God is always proud of us and says, yay, like the little kid who takes the first two steps. And, and he said this, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm not saying anything other than what he took out of church was that his God loved him and was proud of him. And when you're a teacher or a preacher, a pastor, you couldn't ask for more. What a, what a gift. But for him, it was a gift from God. That's what he walked away with from church. And I wonder if anyone walked up to Paul ever to say, Paul, I love you. Well, let, let me tell you, somebody did. He meets Jesus on the Damascus Road. And he starts by saying, why do you persecute me? Because if you persecute the church, you persecute me. And, and Jesus didn't dwell there. Jesus changed his life. He took the darkness and the scales off his eyes so he could see. And Jesus revealed himself to Paul because he loved Paul. I heard a preacher one time say, Jesus revealed himself to Paul because he knew Paul would write the half the New Testament. Blah, blah. No. Jesus revealed himself to Paul because Paul was a soul and Jesus saved souls. He was worth saving. The person Paul was worth saving, not because what he would do for God, but because Jesus wanted to make sure he encountered him. And he could take somebody who was the worst of the worst, a persecutor of the church, and transform their lives. What a model for us. Whatever we've been through, wherever we've gone, whatever we've said, this Jesus wants to change us. See, nothing you will ever do can change your past. No tears, no regrets, no self-pity. The past is past. And Jesus Christ has the power to forgive each one of us in regards to our past and then empower us to move forward in him. And the word forget means to bleach out. I love that. To forgive and to release. To walk into the power of salvation. To, to press on in the power of grace. To press on in the power of our faith in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the truth of the word. By worship. By serving. By generosity. I'm pressing on. And the past has no hold on me. Because I'm moving in the way that God wants me to move. I'm not denying the past happened. But I'm not letting it define me today. Somebody needs to hear that. And if I was a preacher, we had more than six minutes left, I would camp there. But we got to get out of church, you know, at some point. Jesus didn't come to earth to improve our old life, but to give us a new one. He didn't die on a cross to help us turn over a new leaf, but to experience new life. We were created to grow and to change, and the best kind of change leaves a permanent mark on our soul. This one thing I do, I become new. The second part is I focus forward. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want you to think of a runner. A runner who strains forward. I mean, there's a strain at the end. And I saw probably 30 or 40 videos where some runners actually jumped and leaped at the end. 
I mean, they left the ground. They were airborne to try to get over the finish line. This is the word that he uses in the Greek. I'm straining towards what's ahead. I'm leaning towards. I'm pressing into the prize. I'm giving it all I got. The Greek word means I'm overextending myself because I'm going for it. I throw myself into it all. I'm intense, he says. I think of the words of Jeremiah 29, 11. So many of us know those words, that God has a future for us, a hope and a future. He has plans for us, and he speaks it to a group of Israelites who are in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. He says, I have more for you. I have a preferable future for you. I'm going to free you from this captivity. 70 years of stuckness, but it's going to come to a close. If you've been around here for any length of time, you've heard me quote this so many times. Don't allow your past trauma to become your present day drama. That'll preach. Yeah, but 10 years ago, this happened to me. Listen, I'm sorry it happened. I'm sorry that church was a bad experience. I'm sorry that job was a horrible experience. I'm sorry that person abused you, molested you, said things to you. He said, she said, or they said, and they never tell you, but they tell everyone else. It's time to move on. Now is the time. The pain is real. But Paul says, it will not talk me out of my calling. I put my past behind me to win the prize for which God has called me. Calling may mean you're hard pressed on every side, but you're not crushed. Calling may mean you're perplexed, but never in despair. Calling may mean that you're persecuted, but you're never abandoned. Those are Paul's words too. You may be struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because you have been called. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have been called. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been called to get saved. He's calling all of us. He's calling the world to know him, to walk with him. And once you walk with him and know him, he's calling you into a place of ministry. It's not just for clergy and priests and pastors, apostles and prophets, evangelists. The calling of God is on God's people. Come on, I got excited there. Paul says, find out what counts. Put more energy into your faith than you put into raising your family or your finances or your job or your career or your promotions. He says, you get focused. If the river spills over its banks, you have a marsh and a swamp. But if the river is confined between certain banks or dam it up, channel it, it has tremendous power. Light diffused. It's powerless and weak. But if you take the power and the light and you concentrate it, you have a laser beam, you can do surgeries with it. It's powerful. It's a power focus. We move forward focused on one thing. And Paul tells his young son in the faith, Timothy, hey, there is in store for me a crown. <laughs> a crown of righteousness with the Lord will award me on that day more than anything else. Paul says, I want to be able to say about my life when I die, I finished my race. I fought the good fight of faith. And as a result, there's a crown laid up for me in heaven. That's what I want for you. 
What do you want for your church? I, I want you to be able to run in such a way that when your life is done, you can look up in heaven and say, okay, Lord, give me what's due me. And the evangelists will be wrong. There'll be no video of you <laughs> and your past. And God will say, well done. Good and faithful. Sir. I want you to hear those words. And Paul says, I want you to run your life in such a way that you'll receive the crown in heaven. He's not talking about salvation here. That's a free gift. He's talking about the reward of people who are saved, who serve in such a way that God can say, well done, well done, well done. And it's important to remember that Jesus Christ said these words when he talked about the church for the first time. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I love the picture. He, he used the word gates. He didn't say walls. I love the picture because gates have hinges and gates were meant to be open. And how do gates open? When people sit in their stuckness. When people say, I'm comfortable. No, when people press to the gate. If you have any gates around where you work or in your home, you press the gate and what happens? It opens. And if it doesn't open right, if the hinges are broken, you kick it open and it moves. When you take the trash out, right? It moves. And that's what Jesus is saying. Keep moving forward. Don't stay stuck. Yeah, but I, I feel resistance from the gate. Just push on it, folks. In the power of the Spirit, the power of his word, and then we focus on the goal. We focus on the goal. What is the goal? <laughs> the goal is why he called you. Lord, why did you save me? See, sometimes the temptation to consider the war was won because of one fight. But we always face two battles and everything worth doing. Let me explain quickly. One, we take ground. The second, we take hold of it. One is to allow the Lord to free us. The second is to remain free. One is to move forward from the past. The other is not to go back. <laughs> One's to endeavor to take control of everything and the other is to surrender to control to God. One's to say, I'm confident in the flesh. I tell everybody how great I am, how smart I am. I have an opinion about everything. Just ask me. It's kind of like armpits. I have two. I have two opinions for everything. And the older I get, the more I realize I don't know very much, but I know the one who knows everything. And the more I read his word, the more the word reads me, and the more I realize I don't know very much, but I know the one who breathed into those words that can change my life radically. So here's the call of the day as I conclude. Now is the time. And Hancock got it right. But now it's your time. I would like to pray with you. We're gonna close with a song in just a moment. But I, I, I'm going to do something as we close that we've not done in a long time because of COVID and all that, that, that craziness. If you know this is your time, and as we get ready to sing again, grace is on our side, I'm just going to invite you to, from that side of the wall all the way down here to come and say, you know what? I'm going to believe as we close this time that God will do something supernatural in my heart that the way maker will make a way for me. And then I want to do this. I, I want anyone that feels so led to come forward and make sure everybody that comes forward has somebody praying with them. Now, if you're sick, if you've been coughing, if you've got a fever, don't come down to the front.
But w- would you be bold enough to say, and by the way, there's nothing mastic, magical or mystical about this part of real estate above where you're seated, but there's something about a posture that says, I- I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna stand in a place physically that I'm demonstrating my spirit is standing in a place where I'm ready to receive what God has for me. And here's the word over your life. Now's the time. Some of you have been waiting for healing. Some of you have been waiting for answers to prayer. Some of you have been waiting to get out of your stuckness. Now's the time. And now's the time for you to say, I'm, I'm not going down there because I'm afraid. Now's the time to get over your fear. And no one's going to bite you down here. You don't know how to say anything. You don't have to give any money. This is just a place where you say, God, you're going to do a work in my life. And I'm going to stand for it and believe for it. Would you come? If, if that's you today, if that's you today, would you be bold enough to come? I want to remind you as you come, the church is not a museum for perfect people. It's a hospital for the wounded. It's a schoolhouse for learning. It's a community of people with limps and scars and bruises who admittedly say, I need God, and now is the time. The church is a place where broken can find healing in the context of community. It's not a pastor and the people. We are all in this together. It's not a staff, it's not a worship team. Though they're on a platform today, they're not elevated above you, they're just like you. They need to move on too. (laughs) We're all in this together. We're a people where Jesus died for us. And if we're all honest, we would say, God, I receive your grace, I receive your healing because in myself, I don't have what I need to be who you've called me to be. Amen? Amen? So Lord, for these that have had faith to come forward this morning, I just ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would let the words of the Apostle Paul breathed by you be our words today. We press on. We leave our past behind. We leave our insecurity behind. We leave the the denials that we've been told. We leave the words that we've heard and we press against the gates of hell And we know they will open because of your power. Because all of hell sees you with us. They don't just see us, they see you with us. Holy Spirit, have your way. We know that grace is on our side. Let's just say it, grace is on our side. Grace is on our side. And you are the God of grace. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.